Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Pete Williams. And one of the things that we shared is uh, the importance of USA Today and USA Today Baseball Weekly in the intersection of our lives. He was closer to it, but I sure was a beneficiary. Thanks, Pete, for being here, but also thanks sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, CompC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, as well as Upper Deck, Panini, and Tops. So thanks, sponsors. Thanks, listeners. Pete Williams, you were there. I was there as a purchaser of USA Today, but you got involved very early on with USA Today and as they moved into their Baseball Weekly, these were really important publications for me back in the pre-internet days. They were crucial to the launch of our baseball magazine and the other magazines. So welcome to the show, Pete, and tell us about your USA Today connection. Yeah, for me, it started, the paper started in September of 1982. Al Newhart's dreamed of this national daily newspaper and it worked and caught on. It had a, a big following, especially among sports fans, because the, the sports section was regarded as something they were doing better than anybody else at the time. And so I was an intern for, in the sports department in 1990 before my senior year of college. And then they launched during my senior year of college what would be known as USA Today Baseball Weekly, which debuted in April of 1991. And the genesis for that, Jim, was quite simple. The sporting news had decided after many decades that they were no longer going to print box scores. And this is still pre-internet. So there was a lot of people who still wanted the box scores. And USA Today said, we can do that. And why don't we just build a weekly baseball publication? Because the sporting music shifted away from its baseball genesis, if you will, to sort of the all sports. I'm like, we're going to be an all sports publication. As I'm graduating from college in the University of Virginia in 1991, Gene Polisinski, the great sports editor at the time, said, uh, Pete, we'd like to hire you to cover college sports for, for our USA Today. And I said, how about this baseball weekly? My gosh, I can write full time for an all baseball publication. This will be awesome. Jeans done. You're in. I'm like, great. So I think even though I had a few more months of college left to go, I think I was actually the second employee hired after editor Paul White, who uh, just retired from uh, USA Today a few years ago. And so that got things going. And so for me, to, to right out of college in, in what was a recession in 1991 to go to work for an all baseball publication 10 miles from where I grew up was pretty much a, a dream come true, an ideal job opportunity. I think USA Today was famous for losing money for many years. <laughs> but it was. So was Baseball Weekly, their offshoot, was that expected to make money immediately or did that, that have the same patience of building an audience? My understanding was that we were profitable immediately. We had a, a small staff. Obviously, a lot of what we did from a circulation, distribution, printing standpoint was piggybacked off of USA Today. But I, it was my understanding we made money from the get-go in no small part because of the trading card industry. A lot of our big advertisers at that time, remember we launched in April of 1991, which was about the peak of the trading card industry. Right. So we had deck, we had scoreboard. A lot of our biggest advertisers at the time were trading card related. I, I know we, like everybody else, uh, took some financial blows during the, uh, the strike of 94, 95, but thankfully we weathered that. But uh, as my understanding, we did pretty well. Now, now granted, uh, of course, we had the, the mothership down below helping us out as well. I've talked on other episodes about how one of the big decisions that, that I made that was prior to those days, but it was the opposite of what the sporting news did. I had a lot of respect for the sporting news that it was the publication for so many years. And I'd visited up there when I was in college and thought maybe that's someplace I'd like to work, but I took a different tack. But they went to the multi-sport route, which was, I think, the wrong decision. It opened up your opportunity there. And I don't know that they did that because they saw what was emerging as the success of USA Today with covering all the sports every day that they felt they needed to do something. But as they're moving to more general coverage of the sports, but not as detailed coverage of baseball, that was a wrong decision. I, on the other hand, in 89, made the decision as football was emerging to do a separate football magazine. 
And so it was a brand extension, but it was a different audience. And then basketball and then hockey, and then we, we kept going. And so I firm what USA Today did, building on the platform. But what did USA Today Baseball Weekly do? Was there any duplication where if you did an article or something for the weekly, had it previously showed up in the daily or, or vice versa? Or were they very standalone separate? They were very standalone and, and we were able to do a lot deeper because we had more space, more pages, a lot deeper articles. I can remember in 1991, the type of one afternoon, I think Dennis Martinez had just thrown a perfect game. And so they said, why don't we talk to everyone who's ever thrown a perfect game who's still alive and see what does that feel like? And so I remember one afternoon, I managed to get a hold of Jim Bunning, Catfish Hunter, Len Barker, Harvey Haddix, and maybe someone else. And I, I look back at them. This is pre-internet. How the heck did I do that? Back then, I just got the phone numbers and cold called guys and they picked up their phone. Think how hard that would be today. You'd have to send out multiple emails and everything else and arrange a time. Again, it's an example of how technology doesn't always make things easier for our lives. And so those were the type of in-depth stories that we, because we were a week. We had a little more time to do and we had more space and we could devote the time. Those first years of Baseball Weekly really were a lot of fun. I think you said that, that in the early days of USA Today, the, the daily newspaper, that sports writers jumped on with that and liked that format because they thought that was better. Because I never thought it was better. I thought it was better only in the sense of being so well balanced. USA Today was mocked for being uh, overly simplified. The stories were so short, these bite-sized nuggets, all things that you know are pretty much what online journalism is today. But I, mean, I used to joke there were certain words I wasn't allowed to use it at USA Today, adjectives, adverbs, those kind of things. I was going to say for, uh, with three syllables or more. <laughs> five, were, uh, five letters, basically. And so, yes, we were mocked then. But I, I look at the listicle, which is what so much of it, uh, the Internet is these days, especially in sports. Hey, the, the way too early ranking of this or whatever. I, I think at Baseball Weekly, we were probably the first ever to do power rankings, especially in the offseason when we didn't always have a lot of material. We'd rank, hey, the, the best 27 American League left fielders that sort of thing, which is now standard place on ESPN.com, The Athletic, you name it online. So in many respects, yeah, we were mocked for the simplicity of it. Is that really journalism or is that just listing? But for better or for worse, it's become a lot of what sports journalism, if if not overall journalism, has become. Well, all journalism has become, at least in the mainstream, has become all you need to tell somebody is what channel you're listening to. And then they can fill in the blank of what slant you're going to get. And I felt that USA Today, again, in the medium of the day there with a daily newspaper, it wasn't quite like that. There was a real attempt to be balanced that the, it wasn't just what was going on the East Coast or in New York. It was trying to cover all the teams. I guess the West Coast teams probably got a little bit of a short change because of uh, deadlines. But again, coverage of all the teams. And that's really what I need. That was so formative to, especially in the baseball magazine, like I say, with these box scores, knowing what happened the night before, because that largely drove or influenced the card market. It always has and it always will. But people have to know about it. And if, if you're in Chicago, you're going to hear about the White Sox and the Cubs, but less so of the other players. And there was a huge regional bias and regional pricing back in the early 80s. In fact, there were arbitrage opportunities. You could go to Cleveland and buy uh, Tigers, then go to Detroit and sell the Tigers. USA Today balanced that out. And that was a huge contribution to my ability to have an unbiased price guide, to not hear all this being in Dallas or being in Ohio or being in New York or Florida, wherever you are, you're going to hear more from the local teams and it's going to cloud your judgment. And USA Today, I, I did feel like the writers tried to be unbiased. And it wasn't they all tried to be like a homer. They all tried to give an unbiased perspective. And so were you coached into that when you were at Baseball Weekly to, to leave your allegiances aside? Or is that just the code of the sports writer? 
What is the code of the sports writer, Jim? And what I always find interesting, as we talked about sort of the, the polarization and, and how slanted news coverage is in our new political polarized world, baseball writers and sports writers, we go out of our way not to have any allegiances, to show any favoritism, nothing. And yet it seems like we've always been held to a higher standard, right? Regardless of your political view, if you're a journalist, it seems like it's totally fine to have that slanted political view, but there's considered nothing more unprofessional than to be cheering in the press box, to be showing any sort of favoritism. So I'm not sure what that says about society at all, but it's, 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 it's something I've always found curious, that sports writers are held to a far higher standard of objectivity and professionalism than journalists in almost any other field, business, politics, or anything. There's such thing as objective truth. You know, we look at statistics. The problem is in the political environment, they point to their own statistics and their own truth. Whereas in baseball, if we just stay with baseball, your batting average is your batting average. You can talk about the extenuating circumstances, but your batting average is what it is. And if you're in a slump and you're not getting hits, you can blame all you want. You still got to produce. My thing wasn't the slant, but USA Today just gave equal coverage. I think that was what was important. I think Baseball Weekly, I'm sure, tried to do the same thing to give equal coverage. And it's not necessarily a page per team, but, that, but that's a good start. It's like the All-Star Games where they're trying to pick a player from each franchise so they can have something in it. I think for Baseball Weekly, what helped us if we were going to have the inevitable Northeast media bias is that when we started in 1991, the Red Sox and Yankees were terrible. And so we weren't going we to overcover the Red Sox and Yankees because they just were horrible. They weren't working. And so yeah. we divided the country. I remember I was the West, even though I didn't live on the West Coast, since I was the young single guy who was willing to travel, I covered the West Coast for, for the mid-90s. And that was great. I'd never been off the East Coast in my life growing up. And so we, we made it a point. And of course, the Padres were, were good in the mid-90s. And so that helped as well. The Mariners and Padres were really sexy teams in the mid-late 90s. That helped a lot. Jim, I think we'd be remiss as, as stat guys if we didn't talk about the impact of those Wednesday and Thursday American League and National League stats that appeared in, in USA Today. It's hard to believe that's how most of us who played fantasy in the 90s had a hands for our fantasy leagues. You, you think of how it's your fantasy team, right. if you play that, my teenage sons still do. Yeah, they, they get up to the minute, up to the second updates of their standings and stats and everything else. And doing your fantasy league stats in the 80s and early 90s, it was about a four-hour proposition on Wednesdays and or Thursdays with your USA Today sports section. You're refreshing my memory. One reason I love doing these podcasts, I just realized I'd, ha I'd have to, to detach those and, and set those aside. And then as I was receiving the raw data for the price input stuff, the only way you could make sense or have an idea of what was going on is to know what was going on in the field. Otherwise, it looked like it was not symphonic. It looked like notes that were discordant. But when you found out, and at USA Today was a single source that was reliable that covered all the players on all the teams. And you could see, and especially if you were tracking it every week or every month to month, you're seeing here's the movement that this guy's on a hot streak and the statistics don't lie. And so to overlay that with what was going on in the card hobby was just crucial. Nowadays, there are so many sources. Baseball's so great because there's so many stats that you can look at. And if you look at the hitter stats, and they were less complicated then. I don't think they had wins above replacement and stuff like that. It was just counting stats. But knowing the sport, you can infer who the good players are and who have the following, which is going to lead to eventually. We couldn't do a predictive price guide. It wasn't what prices should be or could be. It's what they were. But what they were, there was a little bit of a lag sometimes from what they were doing on the field. And USA Today and the Baseball Weekly later was even more in-depth of giving some rational basis for why something would eventually go up. The card's eventually going to go up to the guys having a great year. 
What was the competitor of USA Today and US and Baseball Weekly? What I love is when people do something entrepreneurially, they're not competing with anything. It's filling a gap in the market that people didn't know was even there. I think with Baseball Weekly, Baseball America was something of a competitor, although they did a lot of things that we didn't very well. I mean, their minor league coverage, we, we had one minor league editor, Bill Koenig, a wonderful gentleman who passed uh, way too early, but he did a great job week after week uh, as a one-man band, later uh, guided by a, a young woman named Lisa Winston, who was a tremendous help as well. And what they did with covering in this pre-internet era, uh, the minor leagues was tremendous. And that had a huge impact on the collecting hobby. I, I don't think Bill really paid attention to it that much. I think Lisa certainly was more aware of it as well. But yeah, the impact that people reading baseball weekly, the minor league beat section might have been the most read section for a number of years in anywhere because they they were a weekly. Baseball America was only every other week. And so we tended to be a little fresher, a little more up to date. I don't think you can underestimate the impact that had in the hobby for a number of years in the 90s. Just to finish up here, basically basketball is such big news now. Football, we're in the end of the season where football, many of the games are really critical for, for playoffs and all that stuff. But baseball is America's pastime. And the long season and the 162-game season until this year really needed to be tracked. And it needed to be tracked by media companies that had the wherewithal to put it all together. And so when we're thinking about our hobby and how blessed we are to have this greatest hobby of all time in card and memorabilia collecting sports, we have a lot to be thankful for USA Today, the Baseball Weekly, all those things. If that hadn't happened, that was a great leap forward. And it really gave collectors confidence that they had up to the minute what was going on across the board and in all the sports. There have been football weeklies, there's hockey weeklies and things like that, but baseball was the first one and you were there at the beginning. I appreciate it. Uh, if you want to do some sequels or use your journalistic skill to dig into the hobby, it's, uh, it's just as interesting as it was 25 years ago. would encourage those efforts. So thanks listeners. Thanks, Pete Williams. Be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man in-